Oh my God, guys, we've been doing this for a year. Yeah, it's a year. <laughs> we so we we weren't even thinking about it, and Brittany, our editor, you know Brittany, she pointed it out. Well, my my wife and our editor, <laughs> um, I guess I should put it that way. Uh, <laughs> she pointed it out. She said, you know. This episode coming up will mark one year you guys have been doing this. We had no idea. We had no clue. <laughs> so um, Kelsey's two-parter is actually the perfect way to end year one and move us right into year two. So part two will be the beginning of year two. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. This is amazing. Yeah. I. We should have done something. We really should have. Um, <laughs> we, you know what? Here's what we could do. I'm just thinking of this on the fly. No, you know what? We'll surprise them with it if we like it. All right. So just good. watch our Facebook page. I'll leave it at that. And watch we might do page. something super fun for one year. But happy one year anniversary to Kelsey. all of us. <laughs> and I I have had so much fun doing this. And let's uh, let's keep doing it for the next like 20 years. Oh, definitely. Yeah. At least. At least that long. So podcasts some, will be dead and we'll still be here. Yeah, we'll still be the ones doing it. We'll be the number one. True crime podcast by that point, though, if all the, the other only. ones are gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be the only ones hanging on. So thanks for sticking with us for a year. Um, if you started listening at episode one and you followed us all the way through, thank you. If this is the first time you're listening to us, thank you. Uh, stick with us for the next year. Um, go back and listen to the old stuff. I'm not toot our own horns here, but they're pretty damn good episodes. We have some really cool stuff that we're going to be participating yep. in and doing in the next year. So just stick around, keep your ears open, and watch that Facebook page. Absolutely. Stay creepy. Stay creepy. This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. Kelsey, we have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. <laughs> I'm just going to force us to start now. Welcome to Main Corpse. Welcome back. I'm super excited because we've got a, a, a two-parter coming up uh, brought to you by me, it's Kelsey. Yeah, How are and this you? is Matt. By the way, <laughs> we just we just threw off our dynamic. We we don't entirely, ever do it that way, but it was awesome. <laughs> so we're gonna keep it. Um, so I'm super excited <laughs> because I don't have to talk for two episodes. Well, I do have to talk, but I don't have to. I didn't have to get anything together, and I was so happy. It this took morning. me so long to do this research. I know oh. you were. She was giving me the play by play. She's like, I'm still working on it. Um, <laughs> so we picked up food today again from the Bridgeport Farmers Market. Um, I'm super happy that we gave them um, gave them a shot this morning because I think we found some really cool stuff. Um, do you want to go through what we have? Yeah, for sure. So um, Drifter Donuts is this cute little um, donut like food truck and they kind of drift from place to place and um, they're a local obviously, since they're on our show, but they are doing a special donut today. And it's, what was it? Apple butter donuts? I think that's what it is. Or yes. apple cider. Apple cider donuts. That's what yeah. it is. Apple cider donuts. Yeah. Okay. So it's apple cider donuts, but they did something really cool. They went um, to a local place in Salem and picked up apple butter that they normally get from the apple butter festival. And it's made by the... 
Salem United Methodist Church, and they sell it through the Bread of Life Food Pantry. So um, that's what they were serving as a dipping sauce for these donuts. So I'm really excited to just like hop in. Yeah, and just just to explain, and you're gonna see a picture of these, but they came in a cup, and I was kind of surprised when because Brit- Brittany picked these up uh, for me because I was in line in another place. And she she came over and she had like a little cup and I was like oh they're like little bi- they're adorable yeah. little sugar coated uh, mini donuts mm-hmm. and they are super soft they smell amazing oh they do um, they're, these are definitely wait. rolled in cinnamon sugar can't wait to get into this yeah uh, because it looks really really good so um, yeah I'm gonna dip it and try it do it let's go let's do this thing. That's nice and moist. Um, it's got this just amazing. It's got a really nice apple flavor even in the donut. Yeah. That's not just the apple butter, but oh my god, is that apple butter good? Mm-hmm. The apple butter is it, it, it's the cherry on top for sure. It's yeah. really good. The donut itself is really really light. Um, it's it's got a really nice chew to it and the it's texture got the, is amazing the texture is great and the crunch mm-hmm. from the sugar on the outside of it and it really does taste like apple cider yeah um because my favorite part of apple cider and tell me if i'm crazy or not is the tart the the tangy the almost tangy, yeah this was cooked in a kettle mm-hmm. with pennies flavor That's literally my favorite part of it me too. i love it so much and somehow they actually managed to make these donuts taste like that um it's got that little um acidity to it yeah. that I really that tangy acidity that I like so about like, apple cider. I remember being a kid and I only ever managed to beg my grandma to make apple butter with me one time. One time I got her to do it. She brought out this massive iron kettle. This Ooh. this cauldron, if you will, and we made it with pennies in the bottom. I can't remember what that's for, but we made it over um a fire outside and it's mm-hmm. one of the coolest memories that I have and like you guys aren't going to hear me say this very frequently but if you're going to buy something from West Virginia that is just so here go apple to butter. a local church and get apple butter and yeah, the churches are the ones that do it best and just to tell you how how ingrained apple butter is in West Virginia uh, just yesterday morning uh, we got so we got home from something we went out early yesterday morning and we got home and Brittany was like what's that smell and we look over the hill and there is literally a guy in his yard with a fire and a giant kettle and a big wooden spatula mm-hmm. making a giant thing of apple butter um, I I never go um, I never go without having apple butter in my refrigerator um, my grandma used to put it on toast almost every morning it so, is yeah absolutely ingrained here when i when i can get her to do it my mom makes strawberry butter oh please with a similar process but it's a little more modern and it gets made in a crock pot but oh my god is it good so good though it is i would love to have it i'm gonna try another donut (laughs) i Um, I already tried another donut so (laughs) Mm. really great right drifter um these little mini donut cups do they always do their donuts like this um so the donuts i've gotten before come on like Almost a little to-go tray, mm-hmm. and they've got toppings on them. Are they always that big? Mm-hmm. I want more of these cups with a dipping sauce on the side. Yeah. So that's a really um, popular way to do um, sugar cookies right now. Mm-hmm. They do them in the little cup, and then they'll like they'll do mini sugar cookies in the cup, and then they'll do like 
a frosting, like almost like they'd frost a cupcake, and then they, you pop the top off and you dip your cookies in you it. You know like, why they do that, right? Because we are literally the freaking Dunkaroo generation. I was going to say, it's just like Dunkaroos. We, we grew up, because we grew up with Dunkaroos, man. Did you? They're back, yeah. Oh, I know. They're nowhere near as good as I remember them being. Well, that's because they taste like they tasted then. <laughs> and I'm not a kid right now, so uh, maybe if I find like you're talking about like an elevated Dunkaroo, yeah, that might be. Yeah, I'm sure. The shit. It, I'm um, sure it would be better. Yeah, and when Millie's older, I'm probably gonna make them. Absolutely. So. Well, um, how much older? Because I need to know how long I have to wait to uh, get my hands on this. Honestly, maybe we'll just do them for her birthday. Let's just do them for her birthday. Coming. There up. we go. Yeah, just a, a short. Speaking away. of, it's going to be an Elmo birthday. I'm sure of it. And I'm so devastated because I wanted to do like a little <laughs> diner theme. Um, I'm stoked for an Elmo birthday. Ugh. I don't know. So is everybody else. And I'm just like, I really wanted to do like a diner theme. <laughs> and it'd be we so could do, We could do Elmo's diner. Oh, my God. What if what if we get Brittany to make Elmo look like Guy Fieri and then I get the best of both worlds? I We legitimately should stop recording right now and walk out and tell Brittany. Because then she would know <laughs> where to cut this. Uh, but first, we have another thing we have to try. We decided yeah. to go dessert heavy <laughs> for this episode. So we got another dessert. And this was actually, Brittany tried this and really liked it. I'm going to let you say the name of the bakery. I won't. I refuse. So here's the way it's spelled. L-E-R-O-Y. However, the R and the L are both capitalized, which makes me think it is Leroy. Leroy's Bakery. But you think it is? I am certain it's Leroy. Leroy's Bakery. So it's either Leroy's Bakery or Leroy's Bakery. Um, and I'm sure you can find them online. They also have uh, bakeryleroy's at gmail.com. Uh, you can e you can email them. Um, they have their phone number on here. I'm not going to give out their phone number on our podcast just because I don't want anyone messing with them. But um, yeah, you can find that. Uh, online, I'm assuming. Are you checking real quick? Yeah, you yeah, are. sure I am. You totally are. Yeah, All right, they're on I Facebook. I have spelled Leroy's on here too, but I'm certain it's Leroy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, it doesn't matter. It's still spelled the same way, so we're does, both right. Does it have what this cookie is called on there? Um, let me see. Mm, smells good. Um, oh, is this the butter pecan cookie? This has got to be butter pecan. It's got pecan all over the top of it. Brittany tried a, a sample and loved it, so let's give it a shot. Oh, my God. So it fell apart before I could get it all the way in my mouth. It's incredibly soft. I mean, incredibly in the soft. best way. In the best way. Um, this is like if you took pie crust and mixed it with all the ingredients of the pecan pie, mm -hmm. and it was just one solid entity, and it is fantastic the butter flavor is unreal mm -hmm. like normally i would be like oh and this is everything i would do to make it so it didn't fall apart like that did you, are you dipping that in the apple butter Leroy's bakery i just dipped your cookie in the apple butter and i'm gonna give this a shot sorry Brittany, as i steal a piece of your cookie because now i want to know matt just hit the table because it was so damn good oh my god i'm so mad that this is so good Guys, I know you're tired of hearing this. This is so good. This might be the best sweet I've ever had on this show. This is really, really good. Oh this my is God. unbelievable. So the pecans are just crunchy enough to give you something different. The flavor, um, very buttery. Uh, the pecans have a great smoky, you know what pecans taste like. They, they, they're very smoky, kind of woodsy, really, really good. The, the texture is 
unbelievable. Uh, this is this is an this is an amazing cookie. I'm not googling how far away this is, by the way, mm-hmm. but it is only 17 minutes from my house. That's yeah, we're gonna have to frequent them. And you know what else? You know what I'm thinking? Um, what are you thinking? I might I might hook y'all up with some of these for Millie's birthday. Um, I might go there and be like, you need to make me some of these special for an Elmo Diner birthday. <laughs> an Elmo Diner birthday. I really will not question that at all. Let's not. Let's just make it happen. Dang. Oh, my gosh. They are located in the weirdest spot. Where are they at? So they're in Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. But this is Bridgeport as we know it. Correct. There's almost heaven and stuff. And they are on the way back here. Oh, I'm they're pretty way sure. Out of the way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the. The airport's over here somewhere. Oh, yeah. So they're yeah, off there's of the airport. So. Benedum Drive. Huh. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I'm going gonna, gonna, to find it. Yeah, we're going to. So do they, I wonder if they have a bakery there that you can actually walk into, or is it just that they're running out of their house? I wish I knew the answer to Man, that. Man, that is an incredible cookie. And by the way, Leroy's. Um, Leroy's. Leroy's, whatever your name is. Sorry that we didn't ask while we were there. You guys were very nice. Uh, the gentleman came out to give us samples. He had a whole tray of samples. And I um, went to pick up one of their cinnamon rolls, which, by the way, was very good. Because I tried the cinnamon yeah. roll. She tried the cookie. They're so cute. And, uh, yeah, oh, butter pecan. Says it on the back. We were right. Yeah, well, you were right. Uh, so, yeah, butter pecan. So... Went to give me a cinnamon roll. I picked it up and I dropped it. The little sample. <laughs> he was like, take another one. So I take another one. And as I'm eating it, I kind of turn around looking at Brittany to see how she was reacting to the cookie. And then I turn back around and he's picking up the one that I dropped off the ground. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I felt horrible. Um, but dang, do y'all make some cookies? Ooh, yeah, that's a okay. family recipe. That's outrageous. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So now we can talk true crime. I don't know that I want to. That was too good. Yeah, of an we experience. need a we need a moment uh, because dang. All right. Well, I guess we just need to get started. Let's just hop right into this. Okay, let's um, do it. All right. Have you ever heard of Anthony Sowell? No. All right. Cool. Um, Anthony Sowell grew up in East Cleveland, Ohio. He was one of seven children to his single mother, Claudia Garrison. Um, He was born to a working class family in 1959. His father was a construction worker who moved out while Anthony was still an infant. His mother, now single, worked for a dry cleaner to raise Anthony and his younger sister. Um, Sowell had friends, but was teased by other kids and bullied. He didn't play sports, but he did play with the other neighborhood kids. His sister said later in an interview that he didn't feel his mother ever loved him, and she said he was just a very mean and aggressive child, um, and that she didn't feel that their mother didn't love him so much as he didn't feel the way he felt he should towards his mother, and his mother kind of responded in kind, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, So, so far, the most alarming part of the story is that he was born in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, yes. That is a, yeah, that's that's just a red flag automatically. Sorry, Maria. Sorry. We love you. We love you anyway. Red flag. Okay. Um, seven other children that belonged to his sister also ended up living in the household. Um, they had to move in after his sister passed due to a chronic illness. According to one of his nieces, 
Claudia, his mother, subjected her grandchildren to physical abuse while their aunts and uncles watched from adjacent rooms. In one instance, she forced one of the girls to strip naked in front of the other children and whipped her with electrical cords until she bled. Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. And this is where we take an even more horrible turn. Anthony began raping that same niece on an almost daily basis for two years, starting when she was 10. She also reported that other males in the residence committed the assaults. In January 1978, Anthony entered the Marines. Nine months later, a local woman gave birth to his daughter. He attended recruit training in South Carolina and then was trained as an electrician in North Carolina at Camp Lejeune. In July of the same year, he was assigned to the 2nd Marine Aircraft Wing at the Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point in North Carolina. In 1980, he spent a year overseas before returning to Cherry Point. In 1981, he married a fellow Marine. Um, No other information is given about the woman that gave birth to his daughter or his daughter beyond this exact point. Wow. Okay. Um, So we have no information on that. I didn't dig really deeply just because it's not really my business. Yeah. (laughs) But. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So... He was then stationed in Okinawa, Japan in January of 1984, and there was a point where he went AWOL for two months. He was disciplined and knocked down a rank for that. A year later, he transferred to Camp Pendleton in California for three days until he was officially discharged in January of 1985. He received a good conduct medal with one service star, a sea service deployment ribbon, a certification of commendation, a meritorious mast and two letters of appreciation. The same year, he and his wife divorced. He admits that it was during this time that he would have at least six drinks daily. He admits that in 1989, he was drinking heavily. Um, and one night, a woman he knew who was three months pregnant uh, tried to leave his home. And in response to her trying to leave, he bound her hands and feet with a tie and belt and gagged her with a rag. She later told the police, he choked me real hard because my body started tingling. I thought I was going to die. For this incident, he was charged with kidnapping, rape, and attempted rape. He pled guilty to the attempt rape and spent 15 years in prison. In this time, he worked as an assembler, a cook, an electrician, a food cart attendant, a porter, and a yard crewman. He also got his GED while he was in prison. He completed the 12-step AA program along with programs for anger management, drug awareness, and positive personality change. His cellmate said he was still in denial about what he had done. Um, And it came off to me when I was listening to the interview that Anthony really didn't take responsibility for what he did. Like, he knew what he did, but it was more like, eh, I did what I did. He said he wouldn't face it and do programs that were offered to rehabilitate him, saying things like, they don't need to know my business, and I'm going to do my 15 years my way, which he did. In 1993, he did apply to a sexual offender treatment program, but he wasn't accepted because he denied ever having committed a sex crime. I don't know why you'd apply to that program if you were denying that you'd ever done that. Right. I'm confused. I'm so, I'm so confused across the board on, on this. Yeah. yeah, right? Okay. It doesn't get easier. Um, 
In 2005, after serving his 15 years, he was released. Three months later, Anthony went through an evaluation. They reviewed his history and interviewed him for 90 minutes on September the 1st. Um, He arrived early. He was coherent, cooperative, polite. He showed no signs of mental illness. And it was found that the likelihood of him sexually assaulting another woman was going to be low. This evaluation is really common for sexual offenders just out of prison. And it's said that six out of every 100 would more than likely commit another sex crime within the next five years. So the report cautions that these estimates do not directly correspond um, to the individual offender, but to the risk group in which they fall. Sorry. Um, And during the interview, he was asked about his sexual habits. He admitted to going to strip clubs, looking at and watching porn. He said he lost his virginity at 17 and estimated being with more than 50 women. You know, casually. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, like people are, you know, people do. As, as one does. As well, yeah. Um, (laughs) Anthony worked in a factory until 2007 when he began collecting unemployment benefits. Neighbors say that he earned his living by selling scrap metal Several neighbors complained to the health department in his area about a horrible odor in the neighborhood. Even one of the um, the local uh, market owners, someone complained to him about the smell coming from his dumpster. And he said that he went out back, looked into the dumpster, and found uh, four really, like, weird black plastic covered um, garbage bags that were wrapped like in duct tape and stuff. And it just smelled awful. So he called the woman that lived upstairs above his shop and said, hey, did your dog die? Because it smelled like death. He was like, your dog died. That's that's what happened. Um, And she said, no, my dog's right here. It's fine. Why? And he kind of explained, well, these garbage bags are out here and it smells really bad. And she said, oh, you should probably try to clean it with bleach. The odor never went away, even with bleach. Even once the garbage was gone. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Anthony was a member of an online dating service where he said he was a master looking for a submissive person to train. Weird. Very. And I don't know that anything came of it. I mean, and and here's the thing. I'm not going to say, like, there are, like... We're not trying to kink shame anyone. Yeah, I'm not kink shaming by any means. At all. Do you, but don't don't do murder. But when you have a history like he has, and then you start posting stuff like that, that is super concerning. Yeah. That's that's very I I think everyone could agree with that. Um because that's you know, again, in if and it's of itself, healthy, that's in one of, thing. In and of itself is not a red flag. However, right. with the other red flags, uh-huh. this one just waves them a little harder. Yeah. This is this um, is scary yeah. that that this was because I'm assuming I know a lot of what's going on here from what you've told me so far. Yeah, and, and I bet our creeps out there agree. Uh, it's like the fact that I don't know. You like to think that if if something like this was going on in your neighborhood, you would be able to know what was going on mm-hmm. and raise the the red flag, like we said, a lot quicker than it sounds like folks were doing in this neighborhood. Um, but you never know, I suppose. Yeah. So shortly after his prison release, um, he started a relationship with Lori Frazier, who is the niece of the Cleveland mayor at the time. Um, she lived with him for a short while and said that she smelled 
um, just a horrible smell. But um, Anthony told her that the smell was coming from his stepmother. So picture this. It's a three-story house, right? Mm -hmm. And it's split into two basically standalone apartments. Like, his stepmother owns this house. She has the first two floors. And his floor is the third floor. But Mm -hmm. it's a fully functioning apartment. Okay. That makes sense. But anyway, that's whatever. So, so she smelled this horrible smell, and he was like, eh, it's my, my stepmom. Yeah. So she eventually moves out, and she started telling people that the smell was coming from Ray's sausage shop, which, after physically seeing it, his house was, like, right here, and directly beside it, like, a few feet alleyway between the two, mm-hmm. was Ray's sausage shop, which was located on the corner of that street. Okay. So, believable, but weird. Um And she lived there until at least 2007, and her friends said that she stopped hanging around the home entirely by 2008. Um, There was one point where a local pastor said he was walking the area, just doing what they do, spreading the word, passing out flyers, because it's, this is, you can picture it, a very rundown, even for Cleveland neighborhood. Um, Everybody there is on something. The um, shop owner said he felt like 85 to 90% of the people in that area were doing crack. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, not him, though. Probably. Um, Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's, a, it's a bad neighborhood. His mm-hmm. brother used to work with him. This is an example of that. His brother used to work with him until his brother was robbed at gunpoint and shot. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now he just owns it by himself. Like, so it's... It's that exact kind of neighborhood. So the pastor's doing his thing, do, trying to spread the word, trying to help people, trying to get them out of whatever hole they're in. And there was a time while he was doing this that he walked past the Sow home and stopped because he felt the need to pray. Okay. Which is odd for me, personally, but you know what? Sometimes people that's, have the touch. That's odd. Maybe he knew. That's odd. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know. Maybe God needed him to pray there. I don't know. I mean, who who knows if it's the, you know, garbage bag wrapped uh, pieces smelling like death in the dumpster. Well, remember, um, or, everyone thinks that it's the sausage. Or, you know, the priest with intuition to pray in front of the house that really, that really broke the case. But uh, something needed to happen. Well, neither of those things broke the case. Oh, no. Okay. All right. So, moving on. Sheila Smith escaped with her life. Several of her friends were no longer hanging around, and anytime she would ask Anthony about it, because they were friends, he was the house everyone kind of went to and, like, did stuff with, because they he was he had an open house now with his stepmother now in the hospital. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so he would just vaguely say things like, oh, they're around. And he, she says that she doesn't know why he didn't take her, but she's incredibly relieved. She said, I have survivor's guilt. He made advances on me, but he never attacked me. And I don't know why he didn't try to kill me. In 2009, Anthony invited LaRundra Billups into his home for a drink. September 22nd. She told the police that after a few drinks, he became angry with her and hit, choked, and raped her until she passed out. Um, October 29th, the police came with an arrest warrant. He wasn't there, 
But two days later, they managed to find him. Now, while they were looking for him, Anthony asked his sister to meet him. And she said, I met him on the corner. He asked. I just wanted to, you know, check in on him, make sure everything was okay. And he said, I need you to know that everything about me is true. Everything they're saying about me is true. He told her he didn't know why he did it. He was just messed up in the head. He told her that the police were looking for him, but he'd call her later. And then he left. So they eventually, they get a warrant to search his home for the sweater that LaRondra had left at his home, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So they're in the home. They split into a couple of different groups. Some go to the basement. Some go upstairs. Some are searching the other two floors, right? Um, especially the second floor where she said she was. She, um, they didn't find her sweater. However, the bodies of two women were found buried in shallow graves in his basement, and three other bodies were found on the third floor of his home in crawl spaces. Three more bodies and partial remains of a fourth were found buried in the backyard. They found a bucket in the house containing a human skull. And that brings our body count to 11. Oh, my gosh. Most of his victims were determined to have died by strangulation and others were gagged or had ligatures on their bodies when they were discovered. He also raped three women that he led to his home to smoke crack. Um, November 5th, 2009, two of the 11 uh, victims were identified. All of his victims were black women of either slender or morbidly obese build none in between um all but one were mothers and in their early 30s to late 40s give or take five years tonya carmichael was 53 she disappeared more than a year earlier her body was found buried in his backyard her mother had reported her missing in 2008 talacia fortson 31 had disappeared five months earlier she had been missing since june but her mother didn't report her missing until she heard on the news the dead bodies discovered in his home. November 8th, 2009, three more bodies were identified. Crystal Dozier, 38, went missing in May of 2007. She was the mother of seven children and lived in the area where her body was discovered. Her family reported her missing to the Cleveland Police Department. Her son said that she was always trying to get clean, and he knew that because she was always around. He filed a police report when she didn't answer the phone on Mother's Day or for several days after. The officer said that she was an adult over 18 and she was allowed to disappear. There wasn't anything that they could do. This wasn't the first time she'd gone missing and the family accused the police of failing to investigate. The family took it upon themselves to post flyers and call hospitals. So, so my, so my immediate question is kind of already answered, which is, how how could you possibly have that many bodies hidden in your house? Not even just in your backyard, but in your house where smells can collect and somebody not report it and, and the cops not show up to find out what the hell was happening in that house. But with the sausage shop right next to it and with or, or meat shop, whatever it is, and with it being such a rundown, bad part of, of town, I guess that the assumption was, well, this part of town just smells terrible. Um, so I, the answer to your question is the majority of these women were prostituting themselves for drugs. Right. That's that's the answer. It's not the right answer. 
I mean, but it's the answer. Yeah, it's it seems to be a it seems to be a uh, a cyclical issue with uh, with communities not caring when it's people that they don't who whose lifestyle they don't like um, go missing. Whether it's drug addicts, whether it's prostitutes, whether it's people who are part of the LBGTQ community. I'm sorry if I messed that up. Um, but it, it seems like no matter what, if they're part of a if they're part of any other group other than the mainstream uh, groups in those communities, people just don't give a shit. And that's really scary. That So the unfortunate part of this is they were part of the drug addicted community, mm-hmm. the prostitution community, and the most community. unfortunate of all, the black community. Correct. So. But even what my, que- my question at the end of the day is, there is how would that smell not alarm the police enough that they would come and investigate it? Um, people had to have complained about that smell to the police or or at least they so- were complaining to the health department to a degree that the health department was um, issuing fines to the sausage shop. Um, but here's here's the thing. You guys remember he just got out of prison, right? Mm-hmm. He has a parole officer that visits his house. The parole officer actually was visiting his house. His parole officer visited his house, and and the health. So how? So the health department goes to this sausage shop, and I'm assuming there would be no evidence of that smell in or around that sausage shop. Well, the backyard where people were buried connected with oh the yard gosh. of the sausage shop. So realistically. Their dumpsters were probably right there, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's what the smell's coming from. Oh, my Lord. So, yeah, it was... Yeah, like, it's it's literally... And I don't think that it was purposeful, even, so much as it was kismet. And it was the perfect place to do something this god-awful. If only these women who went missing were rich, white, and uh, someone cared for them. If only. That's horrible. The worst part is, all of these people, for the most part, did have people that cared about them and got ignored. Mm. That's infuriating. It it is, isn't it? Imagine researching this for the last couple weeks. Um, So Imelda Amy Hunter was 47. She's a beautician and mother of three. She didn't live in that area, but she did visit frequently, obviously, um, a previous injury left her unable to use one of her arms, and her family didn't report her missing until after the police began removing bodies. Michelle Mason um, was 45 and last seen in October of 2008. She lived in the area where her body was found. According to records, the police conducted a full investigation when her family reported her missing. Um, to Shauna Culver... They didn't initially mention her, but as I was watching a documentary, a really great documentary, by the way, called Unseen, um, that covers just how tragic this was just based on what it was because of the area and how it's treated. Um, Tashana Culver's boyfriend talked about how kind and caring she was when she was sober and how wonderful she was. He 
they used to, they didn't have a car because they were addicts and didn't have a lot of money. They were spending it on everything else. One time he gives her like 120 bucks to go buy herself a pair of boots because they're walking in December 45 minutes across town each way. Wow. Yeah. And so she goes out, buys herself a pair of boots, and he said they were the ugliest boots he had ever seen. But she, <laughs> they they were a, good enough. They kept her feet warm and dry. But she bought these horribly ugly boots for herself and a pair for him, too, because he was just wrapping his feet in plastic. Mm. Like, these are the people, these people have people. And yeah. he was just killing people. And he genuinely doesn't have any other reason except he had, what, a bad childhood and his mom didn't love him enough? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, so records of missing people going back to his 2005 release from prison where um, were searched and DNA testing was conducted on bodies found in the home. There were even protesters standing outside with posters of missing loved ones um, while they were trying to go through all of this. And the East Cleveland police reopened several cold cases from the late 1980s before he was captured yeah. the first time. Well, that's smart. I mean, mm-hmm. that they should have done that. Yeah. yeah. The murders by strangulation that they went through used similar modus operandi and had stopped around 1989, the same time that he was arrested. The FBI was beginning to gather information to see if he may have been linked to those unsolved cases in the cities that he lived in before Cleveland. Um. And I just, this is where we're going to stop today. I unfortunately had a lot more research than I normally do. And this is going to be a two part for you guys. I know we hate doing that to you, but I'd like to read the names of the victims, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's awesome. You should. Um, We have Crystal Dozer. She was 38. Tishana Culver, age 31. LaShonda Long age 25, Michelle Mason, age 45, Tonya Carmichael, age 53, Kim Yvette Smith, age 44, Nancy Cobbs, age 45, Amelda Hunter, age 47, Janice Webb, age 48, Talasha Fortson, age 33, and Diane Turner, age 48. And she was his last victim and went missing in September of 2009. This this breaks my heart because um, Crystal's mom was also the aunt to Imelda Hunter. She lost wow. two people here. And mm. she was. I watched her interview, and it's probably one of the most emotional things I've ever sat through doing this. So that's, I'm sorry, where we're going to end today, guys. And um, we're going to pick back up next week with this. And hopefully we'll get really good food again so that we can have a really good mood going into (laughs) all the rest of this story and how it played out in the court. Yeah. I'm really interested to hear that part. Um, yeah, I, I love the, uh, I love taking time to talk about the victims. Um, a lot of shows, a lot of places, um, just don't put as much emphasis on the victims of, of these serial killers. And, um, I don't want to turn into one of those shows. Don't get me wrong. I love diving into the mind of a serial killer because it's so fascinating to me that it's so different. Mm-hmm. But Agreed. beyond that, this is 
this is really horrible. And I don't know why we do this. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> tough. We this is by the way, if you ever listen to the show and you're like, why are they talking about the Mothman? And why is Matt going off on on a tangent about a cult? Uh, because the every now and again, and like, every now and again, we need um, a moment, some levity, <laughs> because <laughs> uh, as you can hear. Um, like Kelsey often does, she brings the heat um, <laughs> on these. So uh, my next episode, by the way, will be an old school story. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. All right, awesome. Yeah, maybe it'll maybe it'll uh, be a good palate cleanser for us after this one. Yeah, definitely. I hope it is. All right, I think that's all we have for today. So uh, make sure you tune into part two when it drops. Um, watch for that. So you can hear the rest of the story and you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon. Oh, gosh. Spotify, Anchor mm -hmm. and most other places where you can find really great podcasts. There's one other place, too, worth mentioning that I think is awesome. Audible. We have We're popped up Audible? on Audible. So you can take a listen to us on Audible. I'm, I'm assuming it's because we got it on Amazon. Yeah. We're on Audible now. Brittany, check the game. That's awesome. Yep. All right. All right. Stay creepy, you weirdos. Bye.